Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having a brilliant day so far. I am so grateful and privileged to be releasing this very special and unique episode with Mr. Joseph Bellotti. So really interesting story about how Josephine even ended up on the show in the first place. So I've been really going through the process of sort of renewing my passion and my love for Java Press Coffee Company, which was the first company I ever started. I have several companies now and I've sort of kind of stepped away from the day to day, but I, I really wanted to reconnect with the brand, reconnect with the mission and, and reconnect with our customers. And so over the last several weeks, I've really been making an effort to get on phone calls with some of our best customers, you know, customers who have been with us for years, spent thousands of dollars on our website. And in that effort, I got a chance to chat with Joseph and what initially started out as a 15 minute, hey, why do you love Java Press Coffee Company interview? It quickly turned into a much longer conversation around life, love, spirituality, lessons from a long-lived life. And to give you some background on Joseph, you know, he's 89 years old and he's just lived such an incredibly colorful life. You know, he was part of the Jesuits. He uh, He's traveled all over the world doing missionary work and he shares a lot of his journeys from that story. He's really, he, he went through cancer in his life. Uh, I mean, he's had ups and downs with family, lost friends, changed careers. But at the very core of it, there's always been a calling from, from the divine, from, from his heart that has fueled him on his journey. And that's really what we talk about. You know, I don't get a lot of people who are in their late 80s, about to be 90. I think he might be one of the oldest guests that I've ever had on the show. And I always find it just so fascinating to listen to people who are at the end of their lives, who are really sort of looking back on their lives. And and I think there's so much wisdom in being able to incorporate a lot of those lessons into our day-to-day existence. And that's really what Joseph's episode did for me. I learned a ton from the guy. I mean, I learned when he picked up his passion for painting, how his spirituality has evolved over the years, what the soul is. I mean, that was a really interesting answer. And just lessons from a man and reminders from a man who probably would have never had a chance to tell his story in this way. And so I'm just really grateful that I got a chance to listen to his story. I'm really grateful that I got a chance to sit there and I'm really grateful to be sharing that chance and sharing this episode with you. I mean, this was his first ever interview. He's never been interviewed in his life. And so there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of, <laughs> we just went in so many different directions. But at the end of the day, every story matters and every story has something to teach. And I hope you all enjoy this episode and take something super beautiful from a man who has lived a long life and has so many things to leave behind for us. So anyways, 
Enjoy the episode. We make uh, links available to Joseph's art inside of the show notes. So if you feel called to go check out that or learn more about him and his journey, feel free to go there. Subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the podcast apps. All that means is that every single time I release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. And uh, leave us a review. Let me know how these episodes are resonating, especially if there's something in there that just sparks you to make a change in your life. That's when I really want to hear from you guys. But I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves and really, truly taking the time to be with those bigger questions. You know, it's there, I don't know if there's ever a moment where I'm not grateful for all of the love and all of the conversations that the show has been able to create over the years. And Joseph is just another extension of this incredible community that we've built. So anyways, without further ado, here is the amazing Joseph Bellotti. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having an amazing day so far. Um, Joe, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, how we met and what inspired me to want to have you on the show in the intro already. But uh, what what inspired me most, and it continues to inspire me, even in the previous, in the little bit conversation we just had before we got into the recording, was just how connected you are to what truly matters most. And I wanted to ask you, what brought you to this space of connection with yourself? Like, I just feel this level of like, true connection with yourself. And I'm wondering, like, how did you get there? A long journey. Because as you go through life, you really are not that conscious of what's going on. Struggle to succeed, the struggle to deal with people who are brighter than you, dumber than you, everything. It's a competition. And you also are brought up within your context. You know, one of the things that I just loved most about our conversation last week was your morning ritual. Can you share with the listeners just how you start your day and why you choose to start your day that way? The ritual I do every morning is I'm usually in bed by 9 and 9.30. And most of the time I'm up at 5 in the morning, give or take. Sometimes it's 4.30. If it gets towards 6, I have to rush things. But first thing I do is brush my teeth and take a few pills I take, then make my bed. Do that right away. And then I go take a shower and shave. Then I come back, and that's when I grind my coffee. And as I grind it, and I pour it, get everything else, then I settle into the chair behind me, and I start to sip it. And at that point, it was about a year or so ago, I said, you know, there are probably 100, maybe 200 people who are responsible for this cup of coffee. I wouldn't have it if two or 300 people didn't do what they did. Sew it, grow it, package it, everything else under the sun. So I start off with praying for all of those people. And then I was involved with trafficking when I was in Saipan and seeing the things that are going on there. So I also pray that at least one person get saved that day. 
I figure, you know, if a million people do that, you'll have a million saved. That's not going to happen. But it's just, if just one, I don't care if more than, but if just one would do that, that, that would be uh, uh, wonderful. And I just try to sit there quietly and say, okay, here I am. Why am I here so long? What are you going to do with it? What more do I have to do? And I also pray every day for the people who have asked me for prayers and the people I've known. You can't name them all at that point. but uh, So that's, that's it. Then I do some stretching, exercising, whatever. And then I get dressed and go down for breakfast. I'm usually down mm. breakfast by about 7.20. What's so inspiring, Joe, about just your practice is just and I go back to the word connection for me, but it really is. You're not just connected to your coffee, your ritual, yourself. You're you're really connecting with all the different people and entities and spirits or really anything out there. Like you're you're aligning yourself with just what's happening in the world and what's happening in the lives of others. And I, I feel like that's the one thing that's just missing in today's society. It's just this lack of connection with, you know, what's truly out there in our own ability to to even send a prayer, like the amount of 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 beauty that creates in the world energetically, just being able to really send someone their well wishes. And no, for me, absolutely fascinating. We live in a wonderful time. No one else... It, begins to know the universe as we do. And that interconnection, all of that energy, we're part of that. And so that's what connects us. Some of the same energy that I get, you get, is coming from the universe. It's because it's part of us, is our electricity and so forth. And you're pretty great, Joe. You're pretty damn great. And I think it's so beautiful. You know, I heard you say that you had cancer twice. I heard you say that you've, you know, you've, you've helped out sex trafficking victims. Like you've seen a lot of pain in the world. You've experienced a lot of pain yourself. I'm getting to experience more and more. I mean, I read the paper, kids shot because of a driveway and all this type of stuff. Uh, and the hatred, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. It almost makes you believe, you know, is there really a God? Are we going there? And yet underneath that, you see the how the human race has grown, not only in size, but in knowledge yeah. and the techniques to keep people alive. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful things going on, but it's always people are always trying to eat it up in, in evil. How do you practice, especially when there's so much noise and there's so much negativity and there's so many things that there is a lot of suffering in the world? How do you inspire faith? How do you have faith and how do you continue remembering the good? Because I've seen a lot of good. I've seen corruption and everything else, but I've seen such, such wonderful good. And I've seen, you know, you talk about confession. If you ever saw, felt for God and his mercy, what people are suffering, they're in situations that they cannot get out of. There's no way out, and yet they want to do the best thing. They want to be good and all that. They say, my God, how do we handle that? I mean, it's just to see people trying to be good in impossible situations and not giving up, to me, that just proves 
I have to be merciful. Mm. And I, mm. I might not always do it, but... On that note, what role has forgiveness played in your life? Forgiveness, there have been times when I've been angry for two years. It takes a time to work it out. But who does that hurt? doesn't hurt the person I'm angry at. It eats me up. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not going to forgive, if you're not going to say, okay, you might not like it, but if you're not going to forgive, you're going to be eaten alive. What role did mentors play in your life? All along. I mean, when I was having, you know, when you're growing up, you have all sorts of problems and things like that. And so spiritual directors I had over the years were just wonderful. And each one was was different. But, you know, it's just they get you to think. If we leave it in ourselves, we don't bring it, express it. God knows what our brains do with it. So they really helped me to get over some problems that I had, both for family problems, things, you know, you always have doubts about your vocation and what have you. It's, uh, so all along, I've been lucky to really have people I can talk to. What are the biggest lessons you've learned about friendship? Very delicate. It's wonderful. But it can break apart as silly things. And you can't repair it unless the other person must repair it. Yeah. But without them, how would you live? Were you ever married? Did you ever have kids? No. no. That's tough. I admit there are times, you know, when I look, I don't have any kids. I don't have grandchildren. don't have somebody to sleep with every night. But in the context, I don't regret my life. I miss things, but the other lives have absolutely no idea what the other life would have been like. And so it's not worth looking at as long as I am not regretting what I've done. Yeah. As I say, I, I have been, those things I've had losses and all, but the people that I've worked with, I just will never, never forget. So your life, you really chose the path of being a pastor. I'm just curious about who you are and how you became the way you are and and all of the things that have impacted and influenced your journey. I I think one of the most beautiful parts about life is that there's so many different ways to do it. And there's so many different adventures to choose and so many different journeys to go on. And every single person's is unique and colorful and wonderful and has its own unique flavor of, uh, of an experience. You are so great. I just, I love just hearing your wisdom. If there's one thing you want to like, really like, there's going to be a lot of listeners, right? Listening to this. And if you wanted just to leave them with one thing, one reminder, one lesson from your life, like what's, what is that one thing that you would want to leave with them? Your life is not for you. Your life is developed yourself as best you can so that you can love and be and work with other people. Don't become an isolationist. It's the worst thing in the world. I got a question for you. Yeah. 
What do you believe the soul is? It's the eternal in you. That's why I believe uh, an afterlife. Do you realize that you and I are here? There is no past. It's all gone. The same planet. There is no future. It's not there. It's the present. And yet, we carry in our heads the whole universe and our whole lives, unless we have dementia. That is not material. That is not material. That is something else. And is that going to die? I don't believe so. <laughs> Joe, what role has gratitude played in your life? It's almost like those, like the the harder times, at least in my life, and I've lived a much shorter life than you have, but the things I'm most grateful for in this moment are actually the lessons and the experiences I had when things were hardest, when things were the most, it's almost like it's so, and when you're in the moment, it's really difficult to feel the blessing. It's really difficult, but in hindsight, looking back, like when I think about the lessons I learned, who I am as a result of that hardship, mm -hmm. I I feel like those are the those are the experiences that I, I remember in my heart. And those are the experiences that I share with others. Yeah, well that's see, you only learn in failure. If everything is given to you on a platter and you're, you'll never really feel the gratitude because it shows the weakness you're just a stupid human being and we do everything wrong and everything else. But if we can fall and get up, that is the story of life. That's what I do. Right. It's falling and getting back up. I'd love to talk about your chemo, right? Like, so, or oh, your, your cancer. You know, that's, it, this is perfect, you know, what our vocation is. Uh, one was, uh, I, people lost money on me when I went to e-buy. They didn't think I'd last six months. I last three years until they told me to go off to another job. But I hardly ever saw a doctor until 2000. I moved to Saipan in 2000. In October, I found out within one week that I had prostate cancer and I had lymphoma. And my sister was a nurse, came, was actually had come that point. She was there. She's a nurse. And I waited until she got there to tell about the uh, prostate cancer. And she took that very well. But she was with me when I went up to get the results of the biopsy. And he said, oh, sorry, but you, you've got lymphoma. So we came home. And I was at St. Jude Church at that point. It was uh, toward dinner time, late afternoon. The group was in the, uh, the chapel praying people for cancer and things like that. I said, I'm going to go join them. And I was like, I got to go upstairs, Cam. I got to go upstairs. So I went up. And he sat there, had something to eat, had a drink, something to eat, watched TV, a movie, went to bed, got up the next morning, had a cup of coffee. I started my second cup of coffee. I said, Joe, you're not going to get depressed. You can't. First of all, how? Saying Ignatius tells us you should welcome sickness as well as health. They're both the gift from God. But also I said to myself, how can I tell people from the pulpit to accept and accept if I can't accept it myself? So I went through the five, five stages over a cup of coffee. Mm, 
I love that. How can you tell someone else to accept something if you can't accept it yourself? Without without be lying from the pulpit. Yeah. What's the biggest uh, blessing that came from your uh, your journey with cancer? I had to accept it. It was annoying. I had kept having to go off island for treatments because it was in the beginning. It was just uh, well radiation and all the other junk that comes with uh, a prostate. But they waited for a, a year or two because there was no rush to do, it didn't matter when they started, to do any therapy for the uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was funny. <laughs> Again, no point. I was getting exhausted. My immune system was down. The other thing that happened, you know, when I was going to, for the, I'd have to be in Hawaii for about four months, three or four months. And I'd started to work out. I was working out with a trainer, actually doing kind of bodybuilding. And this was for the uh, 2001 uh, with the radiation for the uh, chemo. I said, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I had a five days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the car picked me up and I went to the Gold's gym. And I worked out. I think that cut me through. I wasn't going to just. So, you know, you, you just, you can't stand still. Joe, do you have any regrets? Yeah, I have regrets, things that I did, people that I hurt. I don't have regrets on the things I've done. You know, I don't regret, even though some things almost kill me. No, the regrets, I didn't. Yeah, in one sense, I haven't experienced life like most people do. And I don't know if that's good or bad. In other words, I haven't had to raise a family. I haven't had to worry about where the next meal is coming from. Uh, things like that, which is what make you human. And it's a danger with those vows that you end up not being a real person. So I regret, but not really regret. I didn't have those experiences. But all I can say is it might have been awful. It might have been awful for my children. It might have been awful. I don't know. But really, the regrets are regrets regarding people when I did them wrong. <sighs> what are you looking forward to? Hopefully, heaven. <laughs> Look to the end of life. That's it. And my wish is to go to sleep one night and have a dream. Oh, this is not a dream. I'm gone. Joe, what did painting? You paint a lot. Yeah. You paint a ton. I just actually went to your website and I got to see your portfolio. Yeah. I was looking at that. Um, and like, what, what got you into painting? I always wanted to learn sculpturing or painting and never had a chance. This happened. And somehow as Mike, Michael Tony, a Jesuit taught me, he's a, uh, a professional. I said, you're probably the only one that just kept painting. And I think it was, uh, it was all constructivism at the first part, where it was all, big thing is structure, geometric and so forth, and color. Color I've always loved. And apparently 
there are times I just make up colors and they work. And so it's just, and I've also, there are a couple of paintings I really prayed over. I got a, a deeper question for you. What is, what do you define as God? I define God as a person. And I like the idea of the Trinity. I told you that because the Father is facing the Son. The Father really created And then the love between them. So it's a community. And I believe in Christ. It's, it's insane. But somehow, what he started, and that's my life, I want to be like him and do his work. I mean, and that did so with all the horrors that the Catholic Church has done. It was the church through the centuries that started taking care of lepers and all these other people, started hospitals and what have you, and uh, the healing part, and the acceptance. The, uh, I think what I'm really asking is not necessarily the definition. It's like, what is the energy of, of the spirit? I'm trying to get curious around, like when you say prayer, like when you, like, I, I heard you say, I'm praying for art. And you started talking about praying for art. And so... Praying that I do something. I do something. Yeah. Right. So like in that, like, what are you trying to connect with? Are you connecting with a feeling? Are you connecting with your intuition? Are you connecting with... What is it that you're praying? Like, what is that, what is that actually doing for you? Well, I guess it really comes down to what was ingrained in me from the time I entered the Jesuits. Contemplative inaction. Otherwise, mm. prayer is not just sitting down. And in fact, if you're in prayer and a crisis comes up, leave the prayer because you're praying when you go through the crisis. So mm. I'm actually creating something. Uh, we are expressions of him, of God. That's why we say we're made in his image. So as he has that community we have the community, and everything I do is a prayer. How does that make sense to you? Explain that a little deeper. Everything you do is a prayer. What do you mean? So often, people look prayer as mysticism. You got to sit down and you're levitating, or you're caught into a beautiful all this. Yeah, if it happens, fine. Very few people have that. But it's the mother who's taking care of her child. That's a prayer. It's not just if she sits down and says, Hail Mary, full of grace. Everything we do, we're not always conscious of it, but every now you think of it, is a prayer. It is giving, receiving life from God and spreading it out, spreading his life. Mm, so we are God. A living prayer. We are gods to each other. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that gives so much more importance to treating people with compassion. Yeah. 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 doesn't matter who they are. Right. Like I think there was a beautiful, I forget the quote. It was something around like, like treat everybody as if they're God's dressed in drag. Yes. And like, yeah. I, I remember reading that quote one day and it was, it's always resonated with me because, you know, at the very core of it, we all, we're all coming from the same energy. We're all part of the same force for good. And I just love that idea. I, and I actually really resonate with what you just shared around, you know, like I love contemplative inaction. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like, because prayer is not doing prayer can just be being it's in our, it's in our energy. It's in the way we just are. And I think that's a very powerful idea and one that removes the need to make things look a certain way. Like if you're doing good, you are living in harmony and in alignment with the greater expansion of the universe or God or spirit or whatever you choose to believe in. It's, it's that good that's extended as you live your life. Joe, you are awesome. I, I, I really appreciated, I appreciate this conversation so much. One, because, you know, I don't get a lot of chances to have these types of conversations with people who are, you know, 89 years old. And, you know, I'm in this process of discovering my spirituality, my faith. I'm in this process of really uncovering who I am and, and really falling into my own core and center. And so to have a conversation with somebody who's lived to the end of life and really sort of seen so many aspects of your own self, I really appreciate it. I have a question for you. Yes. And, and, and one that I ask every one of my guests in the midst of your life, and everything you do, everywhere you've been, and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? The life is a gift, and you don't want to squander it. Mm. And everybody goes through hell, and everybody has moments of being in heaven. And What's one thing you want to leave with the world? Ah. Uh, that I did my best and that I helped people, they helped me because it's a learning process. You know, the old uh, missionary thing was go baptize people. They're going to hell if you're not baptized. But missionary, it's not that anymore. You're not going to bring God to them. You're going to find God there because he's there. I, you're so great. Joe, again, thank you so much for just all the wisdom and all the experience shares and the time. I I really appreciate just getting to to know you and experience you. And I just, yeah, I just really appreciate it. And, you know, we'll put your, your portfolio, your painting portfolio out on the website so that people can check it out. But uh, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Joseph. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.